Thank you, Katie. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm James, for those of you who don't know me, one of the long-time members of this church. And I'm really excited this morning, not only to bring the passage to today, but also I'm excited about what God is going to do through us. And I really hope and pray that God's Holy Spirit is, is working amongst us this morning. And I've got a lot to share, so I'm going to uh, crack straight into it. And I've got lots of stories, and I hope you enjoy them. Um, and so, as, as Katie said, we're continuing our story through the Gospel of John, and today we're looking at John 10. And in this passage, we see this Jesus described as the gate we are to walk through to receive salvation and abundant life. Not only that, he's the shepherd who will guide us there. And Jesus says of himself in today's passage, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And he also says, I have come to have life and have it to the full. And my hope and prayer today is that firstly, we would, we would know we are saved by Jesus. And secondly, we would all understand what it is to live that life in all its fullness, that abundant life Jesus talks about. Now, I just want to ask us before we kick off, you know, what does that life look like to you? When, what comes into mind when I say life in all its fullness, abundant life? What do you think gives you the most fulfillment in life? Just, just spend a second or two just to think about it. So, so either just make a mental note of it or jot it down on your phone and we'll come back to that later. You know, what, what does it mean to you, that question? And it's a hard question to ask. You know, what is going to lead me to more fulfillment in my life? You know, as a society, we constantly ask ourselves, what's going to make my life better, more easy, more fun, more fulfilling? And it's the basis of every advertising campaign out there. It says, buy this shampoo or this sofa because this is what you need. This is going to be, make you more fulfilled. It's going to give you glossy hair or uh, a more comfortable life. This product is what you are missing. You know, people chase money. Uh, better jobs, better houses, better cars, all for that, that greater fulfillment. They're trying to fill that hole in their life. But you know, the Bible says something very different. It tells us that ultimate fulfillment is not something tangible that we can get our hands on, but it's a person. A person who loves us and died for us and saved us once and for all. Jesus himself. Jesus made us aware, Jesus made a way for us to receive that free gift of salvation. Abundant life is not gained by having abundant stuff, abundant money and possessions. It's gained by living in the presence of God and his limitless love and joy, peace and grace. You know, that's fulfillment. That's, that's a life worth living. That's something to really go after and grab, grab hold of. Uh, and just coming back to today's passage before we, we read it in a second, uh, the Bible often uses metaphors to describe what Jesus is like, what the kingdom of God is like. And this passage is special because it contains one of Jesus' I am statements. And there's seven occasions in John's gospel where Jesus says, I am, and then he describes himself. So you might be familiar with some of these. They're things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Incredible statements, incredible statements to make about himself. 
And just to refresh our memories before we read it in, in, literally in one second, uh, this, is a, this passage is a continuation from chapter 9 that we've been looking at in recent weeks. And that chapter was about a blind man who became a beggar, and Jesus restores his sight. And after this miracle, um, they're, they're, they're confronted by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Israel, who show nothing but sort of skepticism and contempt for the beggar who's now healed, and nothing but hatred and anger towards Jesus. They threw, the, threw them out of their court and intended to kill Jesus. So this is where we pick up the story. And just to help us understand this story, Jesus is the gate and the shepherd, and we, his followers, are the sheep. So let's, let's read this together. Uh, there we go. So it says, I tell you, Pharisees, the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger's voice. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So lots of sheep references, lots of shepherd references in there. You could say these religious leaders of Israel, the Pharisees, were false shepherds. Their position in society was to lead the people of Israel, God's people, to God. But actually, they made things worse. They made things more difficult. They put lots of rules and regulations in people's way, lots of stumbling blocks. And even worse than that, they exploited the people that were coming to God. They would charge them high prices um, to come and worship God and offer sacrifices at the temple. They made the common lives of people uh, difficult. And in our passage, Jesus is issuing a challenge. He challenges the Pharisees that they're not doing their job. They're doing the the fact opposite. And the difference between Jesus, our shepherd, and the Pharisees, the false shepherds, is clear. So look at some of the wording. It says that the Pharisees are thieves and robbers, strangers. The sheep run from them because they don't recognize their voices. They come to steal and kill and destroy. And in contrast, Jesus is described as the shepherd of his sheep. The sheep know his voice. He calls them out by name. He leads them out. He goes out ahead of them. Whoever enters through Jesus will be saved. He has come to bring life and life to the full. You know, aren't we lucky to have such a God as this? A God who is active in us. A God who is proactive in saving us and shepherding us. Now, shepherding and sheep and all these sort of things have been very familiar to these people. Remember, this was written in a very rural society. So even if people in that audience weren't shepherds themselves, they'd have had animals, they might have had livestock at home. So in one way or another, they're all kind of familiar with looking after domestic animals of some kind. 
So God describes himself as a shepherd many times in the Old Testament. So it's both a, um, an everyday analogy and also a spiritual analogy, this. Uh, if we look at Psalm 23, next slide. Uh, this is of David. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, lies, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And again, in, in Ezekiel uh, 34, next slide, he says, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them a shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. You know, God's saying through all these passages that, you know, no more bad shepherds. I will be their shepherd. I will place a leader over them like the shepherd king David. And he will be a good shepherd who brings salvation to his people once and for all. He will lead the people of God to life. He will lead you to a better life, an abundant life. The line of bad shepherds is over. The good shepherd has come. And he is, he is here now leading God's people. You know, shepherding would have been, would have been a dangerous job. It would have been dirty, uh, out in the fields for weeks or months at a time. He'd have had to fend off wild animals. He'd have had to willingly put his life on the risk, uh, risk his life, sorry, to save his flock. And the shepherd would, would open the door to the pen. He would call the sheep by name and they would come to him and settle in safety for the night. And often in these sheep pens, there might have been no physical gate. There might have just been like a gap in a, in a wall or a hedge or something. And the shepherd would lay across the entranceway. So he is literally the gate, the threshold between the two. The only way to get in and out. And like I said, in this story, people, us, are the sheep. Now, that not, might not be very flattering because sheep are... Not the, not the wisest of animals, they're, they're a little bit uh, dim, they might get lost, they fall into ditches, they're a bit smelly, and they need lots of help. So it might not be that comfortable for you to say, oh, actually, I can really kind of identify myself as a sheep. But if we look a little bit on the surface, you know, I think if we care to admit to ourselves, you know, we have got things wrong. Uh, we've done messed up. We, we've done foolish things in the past. We've hurt people. And actually, yeah, we... We do need a saviour. We need someone greater than ourselves to shepherd us. We need a saviour to save us. Uh, Isaiah uh, 53 says, uh, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of all. Now, when we encounter Jesus and accept him into our lives, we are saved. Thank God, goodness. Thank God for that. When we pass through that threshold, that gate, from not believing in Jesus and that he's our saviour, to accepting him, we are saved. You know, do you truly know that you are saved when you walk through that gate? I really hope so, if you've made that decision in your life. And if you've never made that decision, then I hope and pray today that, that today might be the day that you think, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to step over that threshold. I'm going to accept Jesus into my life for the first time and enter into that abundant life that God calls us to. Jesus said he is the gate and the shepherd. There is nothing more we have to do than accept his free gift of salvation and grace. All we have to say is, 
God, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again to save me from my sin and my death. I believe you are the Son of God. And today I choose you. I give my life to you. We just have to walk through that gate to accept the abundant life that God offers. And I made my decision to, to follow Jesus in August 2000. Um, I was at the, the New Wine Christian Festival in Somerset, and I was 13 at the time. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. Since that day, I felt that God has been with me every step of the way. And it doesn't mean my life has been perfect, you know, far from it, but it, it does mean that I've had a perfect saviour who has been with me every single day in every circumstance. And what, do, what Jesus is saying here ties right into John 14 that we'll be looking at, well, at some point in the future, maybe not this year, but maybe next. Um, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not only the good shepherd who gives his life willingly for his sheep, but he's also the gate or the door of his sheep. Here we see Jesus is the true shepherd who guards his sheep, the good shepherd who gives his life for us and the doorway to heaven for us. Salvation found in Jesus is the way to abundant life. And like I said, the world can, can easily think abundant life means more money, more power, more influence, more prestige, perhaps celebrity and sort of public acclaim. You know, people often say they want an abundant life, but often we can confuse what we want with what we need. And I really believe that our greatest need is a loving saviour. Because we cannot save ourselves. Jesus is what we need. So hopefully we've established Jesus is the way to life. But how do we live that life to the full? How do we go about that? And I just want to spend the rest of our time together looking at some practicalities of how we enter into this abundant life. And I've got three things that can help us on this journey. We are to look up, we are to look in, and we are to look out. Up, in, and out. So perhaps we've made that decision to, to enter into Jesus, but then how do we continue to live that abundant life? And I think the starting point has to be to look up to God. I think it's only when we truly encounter the love of God and Jesus in our lives that we become transformed from the inside. Um, at our, mine and Becky's wedding uh, back in 2010, uh, we walked back, back down the aisle after we were first married to the famous hymn, Joyful, Joyful, but the really upbeat, cool version from Sister Act 2. And uh, if you've not seen that film, I'd really recommend it because it's one of my favourites and I'm often singing Sister Act songs. But there's some amazing lines in that song. I'll just read a couple of them. It says, Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. You know, when we stand in God's presence and we adore him as our loving father, something changes inside of us. Our hearts find their true fulfillment and rest. And I love that line where it says, hearts unfold like flowers before thee. When I feel the presence of God on me, it's like my heart overflows. It's like a flower blossoming in the blazing sunshine. You know, we come to God with all our baggage, all our worries, anxieties, all the walls that we've put up around ourselves to protect us. But when we step through that gate into God's presence, 
all that falls away. You know, we're stripped bare, and it's just our heart and God's heart connecting like a child and their loving father. One of the ways I feel closest to God is hiking up in the Fells in the Lake District. Uh, I think I've got a picture. There you go. That's, that's the top of the old man of Coniston, in, uh, yeah, near Coniston. And I think what I love most about fell walking and hiking like that is that feeling of being insignificant. And that's not feeling, thinking badly about myself. It's just acknowledging the greatness of God. You know, I've been lucky to do a few hikes this year, and I always find them a profoundly spiritual experience, literally a, a mountaintop moment. And it helps me to change the microscope to the telescope, you know, stop focusing down on my, on my little daily problems and actually think, wow, God, you are fantastic. You are so great and mighty. And that's just one little hill in one little country. Like, we think of the, the earth, the, the entire universe. God is in control. God is powerful. God was here long before we were around, and he'll be here long afterwards. And hopefully, if we've made that decision to follow Christ, we'll spend eternity basking in the glory of God. It helps me to remember the great and powerful God who loves me. I am his son. He is my father, my dad. I just love spending time together. You know, I sometimes call God dad in my prayer time, just to remind myself of that, that intimate relationship. You know, we approach the throne of God with confidence. How fantastic is that? We don't have to bring a load of stuff or, you know, appease him in any way. We just come as we are. Dad and child, loving father. You know, let's make time for God. Let's make time to recognize his voice. And you know, regret looks back and fear looks around, but hope looks forward and faith looks up. Let's be people today who look up and forward to the good things God has got in store for us. Also, re- reading the Bible in a year, many of us are doing that this year. That's also a great way to be connected with God, to hear his voice every single day. Coming to church like we are today, being part of a church family, hearing truths about God in worship and in the sermon when we take communion together, all these things are excellent ways to help us look up to God, to change the microscope to the telescope. And when we pass through that gate, we don't stop just being sheep. You know, we still, we still are who we are, but we're transformed from the inside. Suddenly, we go from not knowing Jesus, to knowing him, to being part of God's family, co-heirs with Christ, as many parts of the Bible put it. And I think it's also important to say that once we pass through that gate, we don't have to keep being saved again and again. Jesus isn't some bouncer on the door of a nightclub, threatening threatening to kick us out if we step out of line or break the rules. He's the one protecting us. He's the one keeping you in his care. He's the one doing everything he can possibly do to keep you in God's family. Jesus' salvation is permanent and eternal. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for these amazing things. Um, Hebrews 7, it says, But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. As again, have you passed through that gate? Have you passed through that gate? Are we looking up at the ones who have saved us completely? 
And I think if we've looked up to God, the next logical thing is to look in. We've looked in, we've seen the glory of God, and now we look in, inside ourselves, inside our hearts. And I wonder, what, what is the center of your heart? Remember, I asked you to start, what's that thing that brings you ultimate fulfillment? What do you think the, the golden nugget in that question is? What's the most important thing in your life? Perhaps it's family, children, friends, perhaps a career or a house or something else. I wonder, was, was God on your list when you thought about that thing at the start? Where you invest your time and your money and your emotions, it's more than likely that that is where your treasure is. Investing in our relationship with God gives us a firm foundation when life gets hard. The earthly things we cherish ultimately will one day let us down. What happens when you hit rock bottom? You know, what gives you the strength to carry on? And I've got a couple of stories to share here. So um, back in 2016, uh, many friends here amongst us was, was supporting us when my wife Becky, her, her dad, sadly passed away. And he'd been having many years of illness. In a nutshell, he had a, he had a rare form of leukemia. Uh, so constantly in and out of hospital, he had, he had to have a bone marrow transplant. And um, at some point towards the end, he, he caught pneumonia and he went into hospital for the last time. And they put him in a, in a, in a coma to try, and, to try and help him. But, you know, we got the call to say, um, we're so sorry. We, there's just nothing more we can do. You, you need to prepare yourselves to, to say goodbye. And naturally, we were broken and grieving and, you know, hearts wrenched with, with inside us. Um, and still to this day, it's, it, it's hard, isn't it? And I think anyone who's been through something like that can, can testify. It never really goes away. But the thing, that, the thing that really stood out for me is we're in Darlington, where, where Becky's parents live. And uh, Becky went down in the next morning, the day after we'd, we'd said goodbye. And her mum was there, uh, just in an armchair, reading her Bible. And Becky was just like, Mum, what, you know, what are you doing? What, what's, uh, how come you're up so early? And Becky's mum said something which you know, stays with me so close today. It said, she said at that time, we can't just go to God in the good times. We need to lean on him in the bad times too. And to be able to say those words, the worst possible moment in her life, saying goodbye to her loving husband of 33 years, I think took years and years of looking up to Jesus, knowing without a doubt that he was with her and in her heart. All that truth about who God is, being our loving father, meant she knew in her heart at her lowest point where to turn, what, what wouldn't fail her, what was the rock that she was stood on. Uh, and another story from, from my life uh, back in 2020 was a, was a hard year for, for me and, and our family. I know it was a hard year for many people with COVID. Um, but in that year, uh, Becky was pregnant with Zach, uh, our third child. And um, during that COVID period, I was one of the lucky ones that uh, went on furlough and ultimately got made redundant. You know, my, my self-esteem was a, a really low point. Um, I was thinking, right, got two kids, a third on the way. Becky's about to go on maternity leave. We have the prospect of zero income. Like, how am I going to provide for my family? And it was quite a long, drawn-out process, the whole furlough and redundancy thing. And in total, I had, I had 18 weeks not working. You know, so much uncertainty and worry in that time. 
And funny enough, I happened to be reading the Bible in that year as well. And I'm so glad I did because I think I needed those months in advance of that happening to sort of saturate myself with God and his presence and his truth and his word. So actually when things got tough and I didn't know where to turn and the things that, uh, some of the things that I'd put my hope in came tumbling down, like a job and an income and things like that. I knew where to turn when things got tough. And looking back, God's hand was totally on this. So those 18 weeks I had off work was a, the entire second half of Becky's pregnancy. And if, if you know Becky, she has horrendous pregnancies with high premises and sickness and horrendous pregnancies. So I was basically a, a full-time dad and carer for 18 weeks. And then actually at the end of that, I got a better job and I started two weeks after Zach was born. So God's hand on it all. And I'm so thankful to God for that. If you were heard last, here last week, you might have heard Ule's picture in worship about our, about our faith being like a bonfire. And he said, the faith of one of his friends who's a new Christian, it's like a, a, a bonfire when it's first lit. It's, it burns hot and it burns quick. And it's really bright. Um, however, it can also be in danger of being extinguished quickly in that initial phase. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, perhaps your faith looks more like really hot embers. It might not be the blazing fire that first comes, but it's much hotter and it stays for longer. But the very nature of fire is eventually it does wane and the heat dies down. And sometimes we need to breathe new life into those flames. And I think as a church, we, we have both. In our, in our church, we've got really hot, hot new fires and we've also got hot embers that have been going for a long time. And that's really good and that's really healthy. But I just want to challenge us this week. Um, what would it look like for you, if, you're, if you think of your faith as that, those hot embers, what would it look like for you to, to throw another log on the fire? You know, the fact that you are here today, you're putting fuel on the fire and that's great. But could we go a little further this week in meeting God? Could you step out of your comfort zone? Coming into close proximity with God, looking up at him, I think it naturally leads us to reflect on our own life and getting rid of all those things that stop us coming into God's presence, stop us enjoying that abundant life. And that's called repentance. Repentance from sin or bad habits, harmful behaviours, lust, anger, fear, self-doubt, all these things that can hold us back. And I know it can be sometimes hard to let go of these things we've been clinging on to for a long time. But I think when we come into the presence of God, it does make it that much easier to let go and instead receive the good things that God has been giving us. And there's many other things that help us to keep track of our hearts and keep our eyes on Jesus. Things like life groups where we're accountable with each other and honest with close friends. Community groups where we meet together regularly to pray and encourage one another. Prayer journals or diaries. You know, that personal reflection with God. And even like lamenting. You know, if you're finding some, something really tough, you know, cry out to God, complain to him, vent to him. God can take it. Just don't turn your back on him. And lastly, I'm just aware of time, so I'm going to try and wrap things up quickly now. Out. We've looked up, we've looked in, and now we look out. You know, why do we feel this need to go out? Well, the simple answer is Jesus asks us to in the Great Commission Go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But more than that, if we should want to, 
because of the great love we found, the greatest gift in life, it's only natural that we should want to share it with others, pass on that love, pass on that abundant life. A life lived in all its fullness is not passive. I believe it's active. And it's something I'm feeling more and more in my heart as I get older. Jesus is out in front of us. He's not driving behind us with a stick or a whip like, some, like a shepherd might. Being driven and forced to do things, that's religion, that's coercion. And Jesus doesn't offer those things. He doesn't work like that. Jesus goes before us, asks us to join him on his mission to bring abundant life to the world. And I think at this point, I've got, I, wanted, I wanted to touch on the, the, the church plant that, we've, uh, that Jack and Mez have, uh, are looking at. So if you've been here in recent months, uh, you'll know that some of our church members here, Jack and Mez and their family, are, they felt the call to go to East Leeds to plant a new church uh, sometime next year. And for those guys, they, God has been speaking to them to a, for a long time, asking them to, to follow his calling. And in fact, they're at Mosaic South, one of our sort of partnered churches to share their vision about moving to East Leeds. Now, I've, uh, I've been friends with Jack for a long time, and, and Mez, but I've been in, in life group for Jack for many years as well. And it's just been a great privilege to see the calling that, they've, that God has put on their hearts. And they've laid down the things which they... Um, you know, which were important to them, things like Korea, the love of this church, Farsley, their family plans, their house, you know, a bit of a stripping back of the things which, which they held dear for the, for, the greater, um, for the greater gift of abundant life in God. And I've seen firsthand this transformation. It's been wonderful. Um, so I'm just cutting a little bit out because... Uh, because time's against us. Um, but it's, they're saying, what is, your will be, what is your will for our life? Where do you call us? Where do you want us to go? And I'm very confident in their success that there'll be a, a great blessing to that, that community. And I, I just want to point out that church planting isn't reserved for the most committed or holy people. Far from it. Um, the only requirement is you have to say yes to God's calling. And I know that it's not reserved for the most holy people because me and Becky were part of the plant that started this very church about 13 years ago. And Jacomez uh, planting this church in Leeds, it's given us the opportunity to say, God, what's your calling on our life? Where do you want us to go? What's your vision for us? And I know some of us are weighing up that decision to, plant, to go with them and plant a church. And I know for others who are excited about the future here at the Oak, you know, growth and opportunities here, and both are fantastic. Others have passions for the nations or the people groups, the young or the old. Many different callings for many different people, but the same one true God. And you know, it's good to have plans. I enjoy making plans, but it's also good to let God change those plans for something better. So I, I never expected us to be living in Farsley, but like I said, 13 years ago, we were part of Mosaic Church when Chris and Lisa Mason who uh, were our founding pastors and uh, were for many years, said, why don't we set up a church in West Leeds? And me and Becky and about 20 or so others at that time said, yes, we will come with you. And we've gone for a meeting in Nicky and Graham's living room to Farsley Celtic Football Club, to Farsley Community Church, to here now in this building. And it's been an amazing journey and the journey continues. You know, a big part of why we're sat in this room together is because all those years ago, a group of people said, yes, we will follow God's calling. 
my hope and prayer today is that as a church family, uh, we are excited and passionate about God and being in relationship with him. A family who can hear God's voice and feel his calling on our lives and not afraid to act on it. A family who lives life in all its fullness, lives a life worth living, a life for God. And we don't just have to do church planting to live a life for God. There's lots and lots of opportunities that we can do. Things like carol services, inviting people into our church, sharing our faith with them, alpha courses, connect cafe, pray and play, mum's group, who let the dads out, dad's coffee morning. Lots and lots of opportunities every week and every month in the life of this church where we can invite people in, we can, we can have that out, outward element to share our faith with other people. Um, there's other things I want to share, but... I'm aware times again says I need to wrap up. Uh, one last little thing. Um, last Sunday, in terms of going out into the spirit, we had a great time at the, the fuel uh, prayer meeting, our monthly prayer meeting we have on a Sunday evening. And God's spirit was really moving um, in, that, in that time. And uh, Andrew, who was there, invited us to, to, if we wanted to bring anything, if we wanted to share anything. And I felt prompted in the spirit to bring a song. <laughs> now, I am n- not a good singer. Uh, Becky can testify to that. Um, and I've never done that before, but I felt prompted to bring a song. So for the first time in my life, I publicly sang out solo. And it was wonderful. And then off the back of that, Ule, um, great guy. He, he felt prompted for the first time in his life to sh- uh, share a tongue. He prayed out in tongues several times. Uh, um, I believe, yeah, for the first time in his life. And a few of us, um, myself included, we interpreted those tongues into words that God had given us. Again, the first time in my life I'd done that. And it's wonderful when we boldly step out in God's presence, when we boldly um, act on the, the Spirit's promptings. Amazing things happen. It captures like fire from believer to believer and it builds, it builds momentum. It's amazing stuff. It's abundant life. It's life lived to the full. One person sets out in faith and then another and then another and another. You know, we see the Spirit of God moving in this church and that's wonderful. I'm so thankful to God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are moving in amongst us. And I am going to finish right now. One more minute and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Just to finish again, I'll ask, have you passed through that gate into salvation? Are you living life in all its fullness? The Bible from start to finish is one long invitation to come into God's loving presence and receive life in all its fullness. And I love how the message finishes this passage that we're looking at today. It says, I think it's going to come up, it says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life, than they ever dreamed of. The life Jesus gives right now is abundantly richer and fuller than life without him. It's eternal, but yet it begins immediately. It begins today. There's no reason why you can't enter into that abundant life today. Have you taken Jesus' offer of abundant life? I'm just going to invite the band back up and we're just going to finish uh, in a short time of reflection. But do you want to just close your eyes and I'll pray for us as we wrap up? Jesus, thank you that you are the way to salvation. Thank you that you made a way when you died for us. 
for us to enter into your presence, not just now, not just tomorrow, but for all eternity. And Lord, once we've passed through that gate, you hold on to us dearly. You don't let go of us. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us that abundant life now. Lord, let us throw another log on the fire of our faith today. Let us enter into your presence. And if you've never made that decision, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I want you to have a think about that decision. Is, Is now, is this moment, the moment that you want to step over that threshold, accept Jesus into your life? And if it is, then I'd love to welcome you to, to either come down to the front or, or find, find me or one of, the, one of the team at the front um, and maybe make that decision today. And if you have stepped over in that threshold and you're living that life that God's providing, but you, you want more, you want the, the Holy Spirit to fan into flames the faith that you've got, breathe on those hot embers, throw another log on the fire. You know, I want us to wait on the Spirit now Perhaps you want, might want to hold out your hands if that's you. If you want more, you want, God, I want more. God, I want more of you. I want that abundant life. I want to live a, a, an amazing life. I want to live a life lived for you. I want to step out in faith for you, God. Because I know a life lived with you is better than a life lived without. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just stay in that place of receiving from God while while the band lead us in a a song. Fill us up, Father, we pray. Fill our hearts anew. Flood this place, Lord. Flood this place with your presence. We long for you, God.